step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. series where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. As always, I'm your program host, Patrick Egan. And as we always do at this time, let's say hello and welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Good morning, Patrick, on this uh, rather frosty Texas morning. You know, it gets below 60 degrees. I'm cold, so uh, there you go. I got the same deal out here in California, you know. We've been up in the mountains looking for turkeys, um, and it's been like shirt sleeve weather. It's just it's amazing. Uh, it's a good time. You know, I don't know. That's why I stay here. Well, <laughs> people say, why do you stay in California? Man, the weather is great, It's uh, and the geography, which you can't miss, you know. Got it all here. Um, you been doing anything outdoors? You just hanging out? Uh, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, you know, I'm doing my usual thing out there at the Forensics Anthropology Research Facility. But, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, you know, since I, I've started working with these guys over at Locate, I thought mm-hmm. I knew a lot. I thought I knew a lot about JPEG images and that sort of thing. And you know me, I've, I've always kind of, kind of, uh, said, you know, if you're going to do anything serious, you're going to use uh, uh, still imagery, the 20 megapixel stuff. But I'm going to give you, Patrick, a first. I mean, this this is the scoop because uh, they have just announced that they are going to put out a new package that's called Locate Field View. And I never would have been convinced that you could use video to, to do a good solid search and rescue or a detection of any sort. But, man, I, I've been working with these guys and testing this particular product and using the, the video stream that comes down from your aircraft, they can find an object that's uh, like five inches in diameter, you know. And, and it's the, again, it's the only real analysis, image analysis software that I've seen. And I'm, I'm tickled to death to be working with them on it. But, man, this one just blew my skirt right up over my head. <laughs> Ah, okay, the visual there. <laughs> well, um, no, yeah, so, you know, you're I, I saying guess, it's the feed. It's not even what's being recorded. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's not even what's being recorded. Uh, uh, you can you can shoot the pictures at the same time that you're getting the video feed. And what's really cool about this, it uses uh, you know the live feed that you can do to to YouTube or that sort of thing with drones. Well. They use what's called RTMP, which is real-time messaging protocol. 
and mm. uh, they're going to set up their own servers and all that good stuff, and it streams to their servers. So you can give, and this, this is nothing new, but the fact that you can do the analysis remotely as long as you have the Internet is what's really cool. Um, so I can be flying a mission in Texas, uh, the, the home office there in Wisconsin, uh, they can be viewing the video, and uh, analysis could be d- being done in Canada with less than a one-second delay. I mean, you know, I know you the video to, part of it. Well, I mean, you have the you know, Internet and, and, like, 4G or whatever all over Texas, or? No. Are you kidding? Uh, no. I mean, I'm just asking, because I'm in the same boat here in California. You get up in the hills, forget about it. You know, you get off the five. Um, and there's, you know, it's funny they have all those apps on the phone with the maps. Oh, you know, you can hike and use them. You know, eh, there's nothing. You know, come on. That's, uh, I think that's all wishful thinking. Maybe if I'm hiking around in the Hollywood Hills, I'll have 4G. <laughs> I don't know. But that's interesting. Well, yeah, we'll I'll have tell to talk you. more about that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, the plug is, is uh, if you go to their website, I think it's, it's not up yet, but they're going to uh, put it out next week. Uh, and it's at uh, www.loc8.life, L-I-F-E. So uh, there you go. You got to check that first out. right here on your podcast. That's well, our podcast, Gene. Jeez. That's <laughs> like I'm a, a narcissist here. It's a gaslight yet. Um, well, yeah, okay, well, that sounds good. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. Lots of stuff in the news. Um, things are happening and not happening, uh, and that's kind of leads into today's show. We're going to talk to uh, Tom Walker, the CEO and founder of Drona, and yeah, they've been doing a lot of stuff in the news. They're delivering uh, COVID-19 test kits and whatever else. Tom, you out there? I'm here, Patrick. Hey, Gene. Hey, Tom. I don't know if you guys have ever met before. If you haven't, hey, I want you guys to meet right here live on air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, that's how it works here. <laughs> well, nice to meet you, Tom. It's nice to meet you as well. And uh, it's uh, interesting, the technology you were just talking about. I'd like to learn a little bit more about that as well. I, I'm I'm blown away, let me tell you. It's uh yeah, if you need to look into it, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Well, yeah, we're going to definitely uh, we're going to have to do a podcast about this. I mean, Gene, you know, I, I hate to toot Gene's horn here, but, uh, you know, people go, oh, God, you know any experts? And as far as people in the field, I go, I know one guy. His name's uh, Gene Robinson. And Gene's <laughs> been out in the – well, dude, you've been out in the field for, you know, I mean, I, longer than, um, you know, dog's years out there. And really, in my estimation, it's – out in the field where the rubber meets the road. So my hat is always off to you, Gene. I was, you know, I think of you as the, the expert next door. And uh, so, well, you know, we'll leave yeah. it there. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Okay, Tom. So, you know, I've uh, been trying to get you on here for a while. You're uh, elusive um, CEO of the Drone Up. And um, and probably because you're busy. I mean, I haven't, you know, and I, I do want to get into this a little bit uh, as we get further into the podcast because I don't hear lots of uh, horn tooting coming uh, from drone up. Usually, you know, people are in the drone business and they're burning up the sky 
they're delivering gold bars and all the rest of that stuff. And we'll talk about that later. But for the um, sake of the audience, I was hoping that you could maybe give us a little uh, bio about yourself, how you got into the uh, small UAS, um, yada, 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 and, and how all of that came to be drawn up, if you could. Well, great. Well, I appreciate it, and, and I will say that uh, I've, I've not by any stretch been uh, tried to be elusive, but uh, we have been busy, and uh, while we haven't been busy shouting about what we've been doing, we've been busy doing a lot of things, and I'm excited to talk about those things. Um, my background, uh, you know, I would say that in some ways I'm relatively new to the industry. I, I entered the industry in 2016. Um, but we always laugh because I saw a resume the other day that somebody or a, a job posting that somebody put out and they said, must have 10 years of experience in the small unmanned aviation uh, industry. And I, I was like, 10 years. Um, uh, who exactly has that in the commercial industry that we have today? But um, I, uh, my, prior to my last job, I was in the military. Um, I was a naval officer, uh, worked in uh, a lot of things from nuclear power all the way through special operations. And then, uh, once I got out of the military, I was the president of a technology company for many years, and it was during that uh, role where I began to uh, uh, to become more aware of, of of small unmanned aircraft and drones, and 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 realized that there was a lot of there was a lot of applications. But my question really was, you know, kind of first off, what is it we're going to be selling? Uh, to whom are we going to be selling it? Um, and, 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 and how are the regulations going to play out? And so rather than maybe put our cards on a long play of, of, of beave loss and type certification and 135, we really built a, a organization that was around practical applications, aerial inspections, and all the things that we talk about that drones can do. But while we were doing that, exploring the maybe the outer limits of what those uh, regulations would would allow us to do. Uh, where could we not just participate within the constraints of what the industry would allow us to do, but how do we kind of define what opportunities are ahead? And mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what you've been hearing a little bit more about lately, with with you know with uh, regards to some of the delivery things that we're doing, some of the NATO operations. We're doing some uh, pretty cool work with the Navy and inspecting ships. Uh, through an SBIR program. So I, I would say in addition to the, you know, 12,000 or so pilots that we have in the United States that are doing inspections all over the place, we just did uh, some pretty major inspections over in Ireland and Scotland as well. But um, in addition to that, we're, we're trying to lean into the wind, and, and we like to say run towards the regulations, not away from them. And so that's what we've been doing. Well, that's good. Well, you know, I mean, it's, I was kind of poking a little bit of fun in the beginning with being elusive and quiet, but, you know, there's only a few, um, let's say, business models in the dronosphere. Um, and one of them is, you know, like, we're not really doing anything, but we're crowing about everything that we're doing, and we're pivoting into profit, or I shouldn't say pivot into profitability. It's pivoting to looking for profitability. Um, and those people, as we've seen, are the 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 road to uh, or the rainbow to the pot of gold is littered with people that were just like, oh, I'm doing everything, and then they couldn't make it work. And in your case, um, you know, you guys, when we do see things about drone up, you know, you're you're actually doing things, and like you said, kind of out there on the, on the edge of things. Um, so you know, that's good. So let me, uh, you know, 
saying all of that, where do you see drone up in the drone ecosystem? Are you a drones as a Servicio company? And of course, I use Servicio because it's it's trademarked, and I don't want to pay anybody for that. Um, but is it drones as a service? Is it drones as you know this this is a tool? We're just selling you data. There's been a little confusion on that. Some people were saying data is the new oil, and then oh, nobody wants any data. They don't like that. And, so what what where do you see what niches do you see drone up in in, the, in this ecosystem? Uh, you know, drones are a technology platform, um, and 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 so we we are a technology company, and I you know and and a lot of people say well that's that's just an easy way out of of saying you're a services company, but we are a technology uh, company, and I would say that we are a solutions driven company. Uh, we understand that the sensors that are out there, by and large, have been around for a long time. I mean, high-resolution high cameras have been around. LiDAR has been around. Thermal has been around. Um, but, the, but the drones that we have today provide us with the capability to put those sensors in places that previously either we couldn't or it was cost prohibitive. So what we really look at is how do we take those sensors that, that, that will attach to the drones that our fleet can operate, and how do we use those sensors to create meaningful uh, outcomes for our customers, whether that is improving their value chain, uh, driving down cost, uh, improving the, the value of their product or service so that it increases their bottom line, or increases safety. That's, that's, that's number one. Then number two, when, when I talk about being a technology and an innovation company, is how do we leverage existing regulations, work with the regulators, work with the customers who are innovative and are looking over the horizons one, two, three years away, and rather than sit around and say, we need policy changes and we need this and we need that, and we need beef loss, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. How do we actually, you know, effectuate a, 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 a some meaningful progress or some meaningful step towards whatever that future vision is? Um, and, and so, you know, is that services? Is that consulting? Is that innovation? Is that iteration? You know, what, what is it? You know, at the end of the day, it's, a, it's what technology companies do. And, and so that's why I say at the end of the day, uh, we're, we're, a, we're a technology company. Hmm. So that experience that you already had in, in technology you'd think give you kind of an insight into making this viable. I think it was that. I think it was also my military career. I mean, you know, it's funny. If you go all the way back to my days on a submarine, you know, people talk about going out for 90 days submerged on a submarine. We didn't, couldn't run to the store. Um, you didn't just, uh, you know, zip out for a tool or whatever. Uh, when you were submerged and the nuclear reactor went down, you had to figure out how to get it back up, and you had a very limited amount of supplies. You didn't couldn't pick up the phone and call tech support, so you were forced <laughs> to innovate and 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 and, and, and create solutions. Uh, you know, I, people joke, but I say MacGyver was a submariner, and and because that's how we functioned. And so I think it was that kind of skill set in innovating. I then took that to the to a different community in the special operations community where we were always testing. We were always trying to find out a better, faster, um, I don't want to say less expensive, but more effective way of doing things. And then you tie that in with my subsequent technology career, and I think that kind of rounds out why maybe we, we, we fit pretty well into the drone e- ecosystem. 
Well, that and, uh, relationship building, I'm sure you work on that uh, when you're on the cruise. Uh, you have to get along <laughs> with people in confined spaces. <laughs> you know, hey. Um, you ever come out here to Mare Island in your uh, tenure with the Navy? I'm sorry, say that last part. Do you ever make it out here to Mare Island, California? Uh, no, not really. I was mostly uh, I was mostly uh, an East Coast guy, and a uh, uh, spent a lot of time in the uh, uh, in in the desert, uh, many many miles away. Yeah, well, that's funny the uh, the desert thing. I always had a joke about that. Like, if you're in the Navy and you're uh, find yourself in the middle of the desert, you may have pissed somebody off, and that kind of that came from <laughs> personal experience. That, that actually was our saying, was that if you were in the Navy and you were working full-time in the middle of the desert, you had either done something really good or really, really bad. And uh, fortunately for me, I think that most of the time it was a result of good, not bad, but who knows the truth behind all that. Yeah, well, you know, I have uh, this way of rubbing people the wrong way. I don't, I don't know what it is, but <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it was I did something really good instead. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> gee, laugh. Uh, so, Sorry, you know, I know it's, Sorry. it's it's funny because it's true. It dawned on me one day I was sitting out there, hmm, 120 degrees, <laughs> middle of nowhere. Hmm. Um, anyway, um, and that and I wasn't on the uh, weekly calls anymore. I figured that that was the the, the giveaway. But um, so we see uh, drone up in the news. You guys are delivering COVID tests. You're I just saw something, too, where we're talking about uh, delivering maybe drugs for Walmart or some other things. And, uh, you know, so I'm I'm starting to wonder because people have said, oh, you know, this COVID-19 is going to kick the door open for drone delivery. You know, it's um, kind of, you know, touchless, whatever, or minimum contact, blah, blah, blah. What, What do you say about that, Tom? Do you think that? COVID-19 is kicking the door open, we're going gangbusters, or cracking the door open, or justification? What, what do you think? Um, you know, this is – I'm going to give you the, this answer that I gave to somebody a little bit earlier, and, and, and when I gave it to them, it, it pissed them off really, really badly, so I figured <laughs> this is a perfect venue for the answer. Um, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> So the, the reality is is, is uh, we just obtained in the last week a flight over people, flight over moving vehicle waiver from the FAA uh, to do COVID test kit delivery. Um, and, and, and that flight, that waiver uh, probably, and I would say certainly was streamlined uh, by the pandemic and the increased demand for contact-free delivery. Now, that said, prior to that waiver, we had done 1,750 miles of residential delivery, over 1,000 deliveries, 174 hours in the air flying without a waiver. And so and, – and, and none of that that we did was, was operationally approved uh, by any special waiver, any special permission, it was we were operating within the constraints of existing 107 regulations. Um, now, I will say, would we have gotten, would we have gotten involved and said, okay, how do we explore 
the ability to do delivery under 107 had we not been presented with the opportunity to do it with COVID test kit delivery? I don't know the answer to that. But what mm-hmm. I will say is it did not allow us to do what we've done, but maybe encouraged us to do it. So when people say, do you think COVID is going to allow things to move forward more quickly, I don't think so. What I think it might have done is it might have encouraged some of us in the industry who weren't as maybe uh, focused on this particular aspect of what drones can do for the community, become more focused. And as a result, we're innovating and we're developing, uh, you know, we've come a long way. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting ready to launch another delivery operation that's going to be a, a, a three-mile delivery radius. And there's a lot of people who are sitting on the sidelines going, how in the hell is that possible uh, under 107? And that's going to be an interesting conversation that we're getting ready to have. Is that because of COVID? No, I wouldn't say it's because of COVID, but I would say it's probably COVID contributed to the innovation and motivation for it more than anything, if that makes sense. You know, maybe like a little, uh, you know, grease for the skids, as, as, as the kids say. Um, it, you know, because here's the deal. So, you know, I've been kind no, of critical. No, Patrick, what I'll say is, here, Patrick, what I'll say is it gave us something to deliver. See, the problem right now with delivery of retail products is you've got to be able to do a couple of things. You've got to be able to quickly determine in a large e-commerce environment what can be delivered Um, How do you figure out and curate from a large list of products these particular items that would fit? Then how do you say, okay, you can buy this, 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 and these will fit into the packaging just right, and they'll fit just the right weight? That's very complex. The challenge for that part of the process isn't even a drone problem. That is a retail problem. That is an e-commerce problem. What Mm -hmm. COVID did here was it gave us one thing to deliver that was very light, it was the same size, and you only ordered one. That made this easier from the standpoint of finally having a product that we could go, okay, I can deliver that, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, no, that totally makes sense because the, the, the reason I was kind of critical of the delivery is it's really hard to justify all of the taxpayer money and, let's say, private industry money, everything else, you know, standards, rulemaking, and all the rest of it. Hey, I want to deliver Slurpees, man. You know, it seems kind of frivolous. Or, you know, the go-to, the burrito. You know, the, the, the appeal of the burrito to me was is that it's cheap, hot, fast, you know. And if we're going to have them deliver burritos after we get all, through all of the rulemaking and the infrastructure and all the rest of that, the burrito is probably going to be cold, and it's going to cost a lot of money whatever else. Anyway, it seems frivolous. This seems legitimate to me. Uh, and, and I do think from my perspective that the COVID tests add some legitimacy to the drone delivery. Um, but why are you going to risk all of this when you're going to fly the, the Slurpee around? Well, the COVID test, it makes sense. So I, I do think a public perception thing um, – I think it's a good thing for for us. Is it going to kick the door open? No. Um, although I do think, you know, the other question I was going to ask you on this is, so, you know, I, I know that you've uh, you got SOPs and protocols and all the rest of that, and, and, you know, the numbers that you gave us or statistics that you gave us is actually a decent amount of time in the air um, and a decent number of sorties. So, you know, with that said, you know, could, do you want to take a talk about maybe a little bit of the failure rate? Were there any safety issues or did you guys have balances in place 
that actually uh, mitigated those things? Uh, no, everything went perfectly. No failures, no issues. Everybody did everything perfectly from the day. No, of course not. Um, you know, <laughs> I was going to tell you. So many hairs full of stuff. No. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I, I cracks me up <laughs> when people say that. And it's funny, I'll tell you. You know, one of the things that we've been doing, which is, is unusual in our industry, and but we, we've done it, and, and it's been positive 90% of the time, is, is that we've been very transparent with the FAA. We've, you know, we tell them what we do. We tell them when we have incidents. We tell them when we have non-reportable incidents, but we tell them because, um, you know, in nine weeks or in 10 weeks of operation, we've documented over 135 lessons learned. Um, you know, we have nine pages of checklists. We have over 200 pages of operational manuals. We have a CONOPS and communications manual. Um, we have risk mitigation strategies. We have training. We have retraining. I mean, we have, our pilots have four hours of training and, 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 and two hours of stick training and another four days of observed performance before they're even allowed to do their first delivery. Um, and even then, there's a supervisor and a supervisor of the supervisor. So, you know, is it cost-effective, the model that we're doing right now? Probably not. But we also know that we're new. Uh, this is a new it's, – it's innovative. We, I tell my team they get tired of hearing it. I tell them all the time it only takes one off shit to wipe out 99 attaboys. Um, that. And, 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 and the bigger – you know, so – so we, yeah, we've we've had issues. We've had we 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 we've had we've had uh, you know we've had a couple of incidents where uh, uh, there was an inadvertent contact of a propeller to a moving or to a fixed object. Um, you know those things happen when you're doing those type of hours and those types of operations. But thankfully, um, we have we have a, a big huge list of risk mitigation strategies, and thankfully to date those strategies have been effective in and uh, the fact that we've not had a single incident that would meet reportable standards by the FAA. Well, congratulations, that's good to to hear. But you know, I did hear something in there too where you're saying, well, you know, it kind of drives the cost up, yada yada. And I, and I understand that you're going to do that because, like you said, you don't want to wipe out the attaboys and all the rest of that. But as this progresses, you think you're going to be paring some of that down or you're just going to – we're going to stay the course on this one um, so we don't have any, um, let's say, issues? Well, um, to answer that, I'm going to go back and quote my line from my inner drone speech in 2019, and that's uh, we're, we're business people trying to build an industry, and the industry only survives if it at some point – delivers value and you are profitable in delivering that value. So mm -hmm. to say that I have no plan of ever fi figuring out a way or driving the scale of the resources down uh, to an economic model would be, would be, uh, you know, that would be disingenuous, obviously. But even though, yes, 154 hours of operational time and uh, over 1,500 miles of residential delivery, that all sounds great. But those are not enough numbers to me where we're comfortable scaling it back at this point. We're still learning. When you're documenting uh, a lesson learned, what I would consider a significant lesson learned every single day, uh, then you're still learning. And, and, and you should be staffed to support and risk mitigate that, that you're learning. Oh, that's all good. Those are good answers, you know. Uh... Um, I do, I agree with you. You know, those, those sound like good numbers if you, you say, hey, you know, we've 
got these uh, these uh, numbers that with the flights and whatever else. And they do sound good, but you're right. In the aviation sense, the numbers are kind of low. But it, it, it's, uh, it's definitely a good start. So, you know, 2021, uh, the biz plan, stay the course. Um, you know, you're just going to hang in kind of what you're doing and, and uh, deliver the value that you're delivering. And uh, go ahead and do that. Or do you, do you see changes coming? I don't expect you to give away secret sauce, but what, what do you think for 2021? Um, I would say that right now I like the path that we're on. Our drone services business is growing. Um, our training business is growing. Um, our, our, our government uh, services division is growing. Um, our delivery service and business opportunities um, are growing. Whether or not um, we continue um, uh, uh, to operate as a 107 delivery uh, company, um, that's probably the discussion that is, is, is the one that I think you would probably find most interesting. And, 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 and I think if there's any changes that you're going to see in 2021, it would probably be around that. Mm. Do you think, well, you know, I, okay, well, that's good. I, you know, I wanted to talk a little about the industry. I mean, you know, we're coming to the end of 2020, and usually, you know, we, Gene and I talk about this and, you know, a little forecasting, hey, what's coming for next year, which is the real wild card year. Um, so let's talk about the industry. You know, uh, this, this RID thing is supposed to drop this month. Uh, there's lots of scuttle, but, oh, it's going to do that. Oh, it fell short. Oh, it did this, yada, yada. Um, you know, people at the FA were quoted at, at the inner drone or one of the other shows saying, you know, that, hey, you know, RID is going to facilitate beyond visual line of sight and over people, and this is going to be great, and it's going to just, you know, kick the door open, and we're going to go nuts uh, with drones. Do you think that this RID is going to help your business? Do you, do you see it as like the holy grail that's going to open the doors for all of this, let's say, beyond visual line of sight commerce? Just your opinion. Yeah. So the one thing I can say about a holy grail in any situation is, is it seems like they're always looking for one, right? I mean, I, I've never seen a movie about the finding of the holy grail, um, just the hunt for one. Um, I, I, I just watched Indiana not, Jones the other day. They found it. Indiana Jones. I'm sorry. Yeah, they they found it. Come on. It saved his dad's life. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. Okay. So um, you're right. That. Indiana Jones is a great. Do- it's a great documentary. Um, I think it is. So <laughs> the I, look, I. I personally believe that anything that happens in 2021 um, that expands the range of operations is not going to be directly tied to the new RID or flight over people or or any of the new regulations that are coming out because I believe, and I said this over and over and over, and I know that I'm in a very small pool of people who feel this way, that a ubiquitous detect and avoid solution is more important than RID. And until I can safely put multiple moving unmanned aircraft system over a residential neighborhood uh, without fixed routes or fixed altitudes, um, I have to know that not only can I detect and avoid the other drone, that the other drone can detect and avoid me. You know, we tell people all the time, rules of road and aviation, and and even on water in a two-dimensional environment. It's great if you know the rules of the road and you know I got to turn right in this situation, but if the other one doesn't, 
It doesn't really matter what rules you know. So to me, ubiquitous detect and avoid, sense and avoid, whatever you want to call it, is much more important to the residential delivery um, market than than RID or flight over people. And 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 I, I, I maybe part of that perspective is from the fact that we're doing it, and 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 we see the challenges maybe more so than others who are are talking about it. Uh, so no, I don't see RID moving that ball forward. And 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 maybe what you say, okay, well, what else in the industry might it move forward? Uh, it might extend the opportunity for some of the long-range inspection things that need to happen, where there's a fixed route with a fixed line with a fixed altitude. But, but it's not going to change. It's not going to change delivery in my mind, and certainly not in 2021. Right. There's been some talk of. Uh, I mean, as an aviator myself, you know, we're used to Victor Airways. And uh, there has been some talk, and we've heard of a monetization of the drone space, the zero to 400, with uh, something similar to a Victor Airways system that, much like railroad tracks, you know, you can kind of keep up with who's traveling when and where and what direction. And uh, there is a good possibility of that being monetized. Have you heard anything about that? Um. <clears throat> I will tell you that we are flying particular routes in what we are doing, um, and we're documenting the utilization of those routes uh, for certain types of critical delivery now, um, and where we believe that there is an opportunity to establish airspace precedence on those routes. Um, so um, that's an that's a interesting answer, hopefully, to your question. Uh, yeah, that that's a, a tacit yes. Well, you know, I, I agree with you too. In the uh, the, and I've said this for a long time. You know, we have a lot of wishful thinkers in the. I guess it's new technology, you know, but even the drone thing. And I don't really see, you know, until you have, and I've been banging this drum for years, the detect and avoid, see and avoid system. Uh, until you have something that's viable, it's going to be very hard to get buy-in from the man community unless you go with Gary Mortimer's deal with no GA below 2K. Um, you know, the detected avoid, as far as I'm concerned, that's the showstopper. And really, I've been uh, hitting the FAA for years on establishing the baseline for that. And I don't rem- know if you guys remember, they, they used to have a, uh, an AC, and it was the see and avoid AC, your responsibility for see and avoid. And I think it was in the 80s. And you... Uh, the second or last page, you'd print it out, and it had uh, little planes on it, and then, you know, it'd tell you it was uh, out 10 miles, closing at 500 knots or whatever. And you'd, you'd put it on the wall, and you'd step back 8 to 10 feet, and you'd look at it, and that was like how to train yourself for detect and avoid. Do you guys remember that? See and avoid, sorry. No? Well, I, I do, yeah. Okay, yeah. I got oh, I got to send you a copy of that one because I, uh, I showed that to the FAA. I'm like, hey, look, you know. Um, anyway, so until that baseline is, is uh, let's say, established and people can start studying this problem and coming up with detect and avoid solutions, I think the beyond visual line of sight, it's going to be hard to do. I still think we could do it in parts of the country that are um, now that are unpopulated. 
uh, agriculture, whatever. You, you can do safety risk analysis and do that. But by and large, what you want to do in uh, urban areas with lots of air traffic, I, I agree with you on that. And I don't think RID. I think RID is kind of a low-hanging fruit deal, and it looks like, hey, we can get something done. We did something. They wanted it done. We did it. Uh, I do not think it is going to cure all of the ills that everybody wanted and usher in uh, over people and beyond visual line of sight. Gene, did you have any uh, comments on it? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much you're you're right. It's a very opportunistic item for them to go after, and uh, it seems like a good thing to do because they need accountability. That's what they're trying to, to impress on people is that accountability. Yeah, that was what registration was supposed to do, and the the uh, you know let's say repeal of Section 336. I'm not buying any of that. You, know, you want to do that point of sale registration on uh, on multi-redditors, and you, you'd stop the shenanigans. You'd also kill sales for uh, companies that make them. But hey, you know uh, the safety of the NAS over here. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to beat up on the FAA. Those guys, you know, it's Christmas. I want to give them a pass on the deal in this spirit of of giving and, and joy. So we'll move on to other subjects. Um, <laughs> well, let me, and I want to jump. I want to jump in on that because I, first off, um, I have nothing negative to say about the FAA. I want to be on the record about that right now. I am very pleased with um, our partnership with them, and anything Patrick says are the opinions of the host. And I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but but but, Why but let me it? let me let me let me. Well, and 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 Patrick and I have talked about this. I I I, I um I, you know look I could be critical of anybody. Uh, at any time, if I, you know, if I wanted to pick something to be critical about, but by and large, right now, I, I, I've been, they, they've been a good partner with us, and, and I, I, I want to make sure that, that we continue to hopefully build on that partnership. But here's the, here's the thing I will say about the RED issue. Right now at Drone Up, we have the capability every single flight. When the time that drone takes off, the idea of that drone, the route that drone's going, where it's going, what it's doing, all of the telemetry data, the, RP, the, the RPIC who's in charge, the load master who's in charge, all of that data is available in real time at, a, at an API web services endpoint that we could provide to the FAA today. We have it. It's already there. It's everything that any that 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 everybody's trying to chase. The problem is there's no way to consume that data. There's no way to utilize that data. It doesn't really mean anything unless you have a method by which to process it and then utilize it to actually drive some meaningful outcome. Right. And so I think we're spending a lot of time on we need to be able to know all this. Well, the big operators, and I know the other operators as well, we already have this. We're already tracking this. We already know We've all had this, this data. I could give you thousands of it. Right. But the problem is is there's no plan for how to actually utilize it for what? airspace no. management. No, there is I mean, so that's the real issue. I mean, we can, we can mandate that people have it all day long. We already have it. Well, you know, okay. And I didn't want to be critical. It's it's a season of giving and sharing. But, uh, you know, now that you bring this up, you know, so the FAA is like, we need data. We need data. Okay. Me and Gene have been hearing this uh, mantra for uh, years. All right. What do you want? We got all kinds. Here you go. 
here you go. Yeah. Uh, same thing. We don't know how to process it. We don't really know what to do with it. We don't know how we would use it. I mean, I got me in hot water with them before. But, but like, Patrick, you know, my argument is, my argument is that is that the FAA's responsibility to figure out the technology and how we utilize, or is that commercial industry? It's a lot like my opinion of NASA. <sighs> I don't think NASA should be launching rockets. I think NASA should be regulating the safety of the rockets that are being launched. I don't think the FAA necessarily needs to have the technology or design it or figure it out. I I simply think that's the industry's responsibility, and I well, don't think that we've stepped up to the plate. I think we've spent a lot of time bitching about it, but we haven't fixed it. Well, I would agree with some of that. But on the other hand, commercial space, and I've said we should use that as an example, uh, the NASA does not regulate commercial, let's say, the, the space flight um, the FAA does, and the, the regulations for manned space flight for non-NASA flights is a lot less than it is for NASA flights. And it may, some of that may have changed a little bit, but, uh, you know, talking about the industry come together, the commercial space industry came together early on and as a group wanted to make money but came together and said, hey, we got to lobby Congress for rules that make this commercial space flight viable. And what they did is they passed you know, a law got Congress to pass a law that said that the FAA would not impede uh, commercial space. And I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, you know, so it would actually be something that is plausible. Uh, since then, the legacy vendors have come back in and they want a piece of the action. But at the time, they were all laughing, you know, <laughs> commercial space flight. No, I'll be able to do that. These people are nuts. But as we have seen, the model did kind of work. And I do agree that the industry, the drone industry, has never come together and so many opportunities were just passed right by because somebody wanted their product to be the solution, which is not how it works. And uh, we missed a lot of opportunities. So the industry does need to come together. But still, the FAA needs to justify, um, as far as I'm concerned, they kind of need to justify their existence. They need to justify all of the money being spent, especially in the rulemaking thing for the drones. Again, you know, uh, you know Gene and I, Remember, Gene, with the, the RCAMPA proposed guidelines? I mean, oh, it's, 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 we worked it's, on that forever. Yeah, and it's pretty much what 107 turned out to be, and we gave it to them in like 2005. So it's not, you know, it's not that hard. Um, you know, some of this stuff could be done. Again, I, and I don't want to just like beat up on them, but I find what, what the, the norm has been is you have people in, in control over there that, you know, come up with things, uh, you know, like even the, the the repeal of Section 336, or we're coming up with 336 and we're going to regulate you, so we're not going to regulate you. And it kind of turns into this quagmire that people off-ramp into the private sector and then consult on to try and fix. And I see that happening here. I'm having the ghost of Christmas past with the RID thing. I think it's going to be a mess. Someone that's at the FAA now will probably come out and hang out their shingle and consult on how to fix it or get around it. That's my experience, but that was a long-winded thing. But I do agree with a lot you had to say there, Tom. Um, let, you know, and we're we're down on like three minutes, so let me let me just ask you because um, I, I had one other question, well, two of them. But what regulatory or public perception changes you think are needed for the domestic industry to kind of take off, or or let's say at least just the next increment uh, take off? Well, I, that's a great question, and the first one I'll answer I feel like is happening right now. I do believe back to – we're going to come back to COVID for a moment. 
Um, the the public reception, and you you know, I, I think I told you this one time before. I think I'm actually quoted in in, in Danielle Gagney's one of her thing where I said you got a better chance of getting hit by a stray golf ball a year ago in your bathroom than the media running a positive drone story, right? Um, but today, today. Um, by and large, if you go check the media and you look up drone stories on mainstream media, they have been very largely positive. And I can tell you, we were doing exercises in North Las Vegas out of the parking lot there in Cheektowaga, New York, just outside of Buffalo, uh, down in El Paso. And people are pulling up all day long and saying, thank you for doing this. And when are you going to be delivering to my house? The number of negative comments is almost inverted. I mean, it's, it's amazing the change, and I think the media has helped that through more positive stories. I think our industries, by telling stories about what we can do, demonstrating the positive outcomes of what we can do, it's taken a little bit of time, but the narrative has changed, and the public perception has improved dramatically. I think we've already seen that. From a regulatory standpoint, you know, this is where, you know, sometimes I'm a little bit different than, 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 than others in the industry and perhaps even, you know, you uh, uh, in, in the way I look at this. And mine is a little bit more of I, I would like the regulators to maybe let us find out what's working. Let us find out what we can do. Let us give us a little latitude to continue to, to safely operate and innovate. Uh, rather than let's just chase regulatory changes that we think are so, you know, I feel like there's a lot of companies out there that use uh, regulatory concerns as a justification for a P&L that's not as attractive as their investors may want. Uh, I agree. And 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 and, and I, I I I'm not I'm not one of those that's sitting here saying when the regulations allow blank we're suddenly going to be successful. I, I I'm just not seeing it th- that way right now. And I would agree with that, and I think that's a mistake. So we're almost out of time. Website address where listeners can go for more information. Just your your website, is it just uh, www.droneup.com? Or? www.droneup.com. We're always looking for pilots, and we're always looking for customers who have new innovative things. They want to figure out how to utilize drones and drone services and drone technologies for. So check us out. All right. Well, thanks, Tom, for coming on. We ran a little bit long, so the live feed went down, but it will be recorded. Uh, thanks for coming on. Good insights. And uh, that's exactly what I was looking for is just for, um, you know, someone to come on and, and kind of tell us what's cooking. Anyway. All right, Tom. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Gene. You bet. See you, Tom. I'll talk to you later. You all right. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.